Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome back another edition of the palace of pistons podcast aaron johnson here with you stepping into the hosting duties with no mike angolano this week but i am joined by jasper apollonia jasper good to have you with me how you doing i'm doing well we tried to do this podcast a couple days ago the uh, the power lines outside my apartment on my block literally caught fire exploded and caught fire so i didn't have wi-fi for a couple days there but we're back we're good and we're ready to go uh i'm excited aaron let's get into it yeah this podcast has been days in the making <laughs> literally uh, days in the making <laughs> so we're, we're glad that we could finally get together and record uh we're going to get into a pretty interesting topic that's really been the buzz of pistons twitter for probably the last two weeks now uh with just some other prospects really picking up steam in terms of guys that pistons twitter really seems to be clamoring towards. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, we tend to get a lot of our, our, our topics from some of the discussion points that we see primarily on Pistons Twitter, uh, you know, outside of like the everyday news that's going on around the team. Uh, but we're going to get into that. Before we do, I want to talk about our sponsors today, Bet Online. Uh, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website on your or, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So, Aaron, do you have any, do you have any money in? Boston last night? Just... And they won. I didn't put any money on it myself. I did prop bets, but I was telling everyone in the world, hey, Boston Moneyline, Boston Moneyline. Boston mm-hmm. goes out and they get the job done in game one. On the road, Jason Tatum shoots, I think it was three for 17 from the field. And Boston goes out on the road in Golden State and takes game one of the NBA finals. How about that? Yeah. I mean, well, I will say this, Aaron, I follow me on Twitter, you know, after the game one of the Brooklyn series, I tweeted out Boston's going to the finals and I'm going to hate every second of it. And I've been operating under that assumption ever since. So luckily, no matter who wins this finals, I'm, I'm coming out on top uh, one way or another, but yeah, you know, I have to say, I thought Boston was really undervalued by a lot of people coming into this into this series and you know people want to dog on 538 and their their uh their predictions models but there's a reason that a lot of predictions models like boston to win this series and i do too uh i think they're probably going to take this thing in six so 
we'll see. I'm going to hate every second of it, no matter what. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, they were fantastic as a team last night. And that's really the thing. I think when you're looking at this finals matchup, you're like, oh, well, you know, the Warriors have so much firepower. They got Steph. They got Clay, They got Poole. Where is outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Where's the firepower coming from, from Boston? And, you know, we've talked about, I said it at the beginning of the playoffs, I really liked the Suns because they reminded me a lot of what the Pistons used to be back when they were going to six straight Eastern Conference finals. They're very similar to that, a really complete team, you know, with some really, really, really high level all NBA players, but maybe not that MVP candidate. And um, Boston, for me, Obviously, Jason Tatum is more of that MVP caliber. But other than that, it's really it's a full team effort. And you saw that last night because when Jason Tatum wasn't wasn't firing, everybody else stepped up to pick him up and everybody else stepped up to produce. And boy, they dominated that fourth quarter, dominated that fourth quarter. So I want to I want to get into our Pistons talk, but I, I have a question because I've seen it on Twitter a lot over the last few days everyone doesn't like Boston and is that just because it's Boston like I I find Jason Tatum Jalen Brown Marcus Lee I I actually really enjoy watching the Celtics but everyone's seemingly rooting against Boston what is the the story behind is it just their history Aaron it's not what you're seeing on the floor that's the problem it's when they cut to the stands that's the problem because it's it's those Boston fans. Oh. I'm telling you, I don't think the rivalry is that great anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like I think that that most people that are Pistons fans don't really even remember the bad boys. But like the fact of the matter is, whenever they cut to the stands, you see some doughy white mass hole just high-fiving his tatted-up neighbor. And you just want these people to lose with every fiber of your being. They're just... Oh, they're just horrible to look at. Honestly, that's really what it comes down to. They didn't cut to the audience. I would actually probably like them, but they make me see Celtics fans. And the second I have to view them, then I'm I'm out. I'm all the way out. It's not about the team. It's about the fans. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I I was going to say, I think, I mean, Jason Tatum's one of the best young players in the league. I love what Boston's done. They've built internally throughout the draft. Uh, I mean, that is how like, that's a way like the Pistons should be trying to build the, their team. You've got I still, Aaron, I still have dreams of Al Horford coming to Detroit in 2016 and completely changing the course of that, that Pistons team. Uh, I, I still, I wake up with fevered sweats uh, at night. It, it really, it would have, it would have completely, completely transformed them. I mean, you're not even talking about Blake Griffin coming to Detroit if they, if they managed to snag Al Horford, but eh, that's a different story. You're not a you are not a true follower of the Detroit Pistons if you don't remember where you were when it came out that the Pistons were the third mystery team that Al Horford met with, took a meeting with in free agency. If I was in Ohio, I don't know why I was in Ohio, but I was in Ohio sitting in the car when I saw that tweet come out that the Pistons were the mystery team that Al Horford met with and considered signing with before. Uh, you know, he ended up elsewhere and just like the sense of like the Pistons got a meeting with this guy. It absolutely sent a ripple shot through Pistons Twitter back when Pistons Twitter was a little bit more uh, of a place you might have wanted to actually spend some time on. 
that place was going crazy with the news that Al Horford took a meeting with Detroit. But yeah, he just a perfect guy that has succeeded so much in Boston, especially after essentially taking a year off in Oklahoma City and his rough time with Philadelphia. Like they built through the draft, they got like a couple guys like Al Horford that they didn't draft but brought in that have really complemented their top guys well. I, I think Boston. Uh, is a really good team, obviously, and they've been a, a ton of fun to watch this year. This final should be really, really good. Let's move into what we're actually here to talk about today, uh, the Detroit Pistons in the NBA draft. We are officially in June. It is draft month, June 23rd. The Detroit Pistons will pick fifth in the 2022 NBA draft, and we've already talked about that so much we're going to continue to talk about it as more stuff more information more news more quotes come into the fold let's talk about and this is going to be kind of an open discussion because we were going to talk about this potentially last week but we said oh this is a this is a big enough topic that we could essentially do a whole show just about this and it, it obviously goes back to jeremy grant the guy that's been the vocal point of every roster move that the, the Pistons have seemingly made over the past couple of uh, of years, uh, really this past season and, and going into this offseason, there's been so much trade talk around him. The Athletic came out and reported that uh, the Portland Trailblazers are really expected to ramp up their pursuit of Jeremy Grant this offseason. We already had a previous report from Mark Stein that back during of the season, Portland offered Josh Hart in draft compensation for Jeremy Grant. There's a lot of uh, talk that Jeremy Grant not only going to be traded, but that it's going to be Portland. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion about what the Pistons should be doing in the 2022 NBA draft if they were to trade Jeremy Grant to Portland and acquire the seventh overall pick in the draft. So they would have the number five pick that they currently own, they would have the number seventh pick, the number seven pick from Portland, and they would not have Jeremy Grant on the roster. Let's not assume anything else because all the other minor intricacies of what player comes back from Portland or are there other players attached from Detroit, I don't think that stuff matters as much to this conversation uh, as much as the Pistons actually not having Jeremy Grant but having the seventh pick matters to it. So, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Let's start with this. Obviously, we've talked about different prospects already. Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, uh, Shaden Sharp. If the Pistons have five and seven instead of just five and Jeremy Grant, does that change how they approach this draft? No, I don't think it does. But I think it changes because, look, Troy Weaver, and this is the thing I was actually about to say, this is where you give Troy Weaver a lot of credit because he's consistent. He's consistently said the price for Jeremy Grant is two first-rounders or it's a first-rounder and a legit rookie contract player. And if Troy Weaver just was like, oh, I'll take whatever is the best available, we're maybe talking about Cam Reddish in Detroit right now. And that is where you have to then, you know, change up what your strategy is because Cam Reddish, frankly, uh, is not worth the seventh pick in this year's draft. That's for sure. So, this is where you have to give Troy Weaver a lot of credit for his consistency. And no, I don't think it changes anything. I think they're taking the same guy at five, um, regardless of whether they have picked number seven or not. And they're taking the same guy at five, regardless of whether Jeremy Grant is on the roster and still plays the same position as that player at five or not. 
So for me, this does not change anything in regards to the Pistons process, nor should it. And as a fan, I think that's something you have to actually be really excited about because God knows this, this has not been a team that has had consistent visions of how they're moving forward. This is not a team that's had consistent value placed upon the players in their organization. Andre Drummond, that's a great example of it. Um, so I, I think for me, yes, we have talked about, about the players. I'm at this point, Aaron, basically, where I've been trying to talk myself out of it. I've been trying to be like, eh, it doesn't work. It's not sexy. Keegan Murray's the pick at five. I'm at this point where I'm having a hard time seeing Jaden Ivey being even available at five. Um, there's been some reports that the Pistons are actually out on Jaden Ivey regardless. So for me, if I'm looking at this situation, I don't think anything changes. And I do still think Keegan Murray is the pick at five, no matter what. Now it's that seventh pick where things get a little more interesting because you can go a lot of different directions there. I know for me, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of other Pistons fans when I say this, I think Benedict Matherin is a guy that a lot of people are looking at at number seven. And if you're coming out of this draft, yes, down J uh, Jeremy Grant, but up Keegan Murray and Benedict Matherin, you're looking at a completely different starting five next year. And you're looking at a starting five that is young, talented, and explosive in a lot of different ways. So I think it would be really a boon for this franchise. I'm okay with Jeremy Grant staying on the roster. Don't get me wrong. But if that's how you're coming out of this draft with those two guys on your roster, I think you have to feel really good. So one thing you mentioned is Jaden Ivey, uh, maybe not getting a ton of love from the Pistons right now. They don't aren't sure about him. We did get some stuff from James Edwards, the third of the athletic would definitely recommend that you go uh, and subscribe to the athletic to read his work. Uh, he does a lot of good stuff, both on the reporting side and on, you know, the column opinionating opinion side of the game. He is certainly uh, someone he, he is, is top tier. Is he, is he a reliable source though, Aaron, please. Could, could you, or maybe some other random guy on Twitter, tell us if James Edwards, the third beat writer for the athletic is a reliable source. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's Pistons Twitter for you nowadays. Um, but I want to talk about Ivy for a second because really it just kind of gives the scope of where the Pistons are at and maybe a little bit gives you a little bit of a read into the mindset of Troy Weaver in the front office uh, heading into the draft. They are not sure on Ivy. What James Edwards wrote was that they are quote unquote hot. Some guys are quote unquote hot and cold. So some people like them, some people don't inside Detroit's front office. Another guy that they're not really sure about, Shaden Sharp. A lot of people aren't sure about him. Yes, he had his pro day, but this is a guy that did not play in college. We have not seen him play competitive basketball since last July. Um, he is supposedly going to work out for Detroit before the draft. I don't think that's a shocker considering where he's uh, at in terms of most of these mock drafts. Uh, another guy that is supposedly uh, working out for the Pistons this upcoming week is Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Um, so they mean hmm. a little bit more of a mindset of the Pistons are perhaps planning to be picking a little bit later, uh, you know, in the lottery than perhaps number five. Uh, so they're, they're looking at a lot of different options. And then the other thing, some of the stuff that we've continually heard is they're very high on Keegan Murray. They like Keegan Murray. They're comfortable with Keegan Murray. Another name that has 
appeared in James Edwards reporting and another name that has really risen in terms of just being talked about. Uh, I think I know who you're going to say. is Benedict Matherin of Arizona. So uh, two guys that played a couple of years in college, a little bit older. They're not one and dones like some of these other guys, Jaden Ivey, another sophomore, but they're certainly not the youngest guys in the draft. They're not a shade and sharp. They're not a Chet Holmgren. They're not a Paulo Bencaro. Not that the Pistons are going to have the opportunity to draft, uh, either of those most previously two mentioned guys, but the Pistons are looking at a lot of different names. And I think they're looking at two names that in my mind, at least when they got the fifth pick were more so options, three options, four options, five. I think when that, when it initially, when the lottery initially happened and the Pistons ended up with the fifth pick, the first two names that came to your mind were Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivy. And as of now, it looks like the Pistons are looking uh, the complete opposite way of those two guys. Keegan Murray certainly was uh, the epitome of production at Iowa. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal showing from him in his sophomore season. He, he took a pretty significant leap and 24 points a game, nine rebounds, 40% three-point shooting. That's not stuff to scoff at whatsoever. Uh, and you could definitely see him sliding in and helping a ball club right away. But does Detroit maybe looking at uh, guys that are maybe not as high of floor or excuse me, high of ceiling compared to guys like Ivy or Sharp. Does that bother you or does that concern how you feel this team is maybe going about building? Or are you okay with taking guys like Keegan Murray or Benedict Matherin over some of these guys that maybe are considered to be a bit riskier, maybe have a few more holes in their game right now, or you don't know enough about them right now with someone like Sharp? Where are you at with, with all that? I think it comes down to what you're talking about when you talk about ceiling. It's what sort of ceiling are we talking about? Are we talking about the ceiling of I am the lead ball handler for this team? Are we talking about the ceiling of I am an elite player for what I do for this team? And I think about somebody like Benedict Matherin versus Jaden Ivey. It's almost like the question of like, would you, okay, if you have Giannis on the Kumpo, would you rather have Chris Middleton next to you? Or would you rather have John Morant next to you? And like, I think we would all agree. John Morant is probably the better player, but who works better in that with that team? Who is still an elite player? It's Chris Middleton. You take Chris Middleton over John Morant. If you're the, if you're the bucks, I think at least maybe that's not a totally accurate comparison since, you know, John Morant is, you know, all at super, super high level, all NBA. But what I mean by that is like, Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin, these can be all-star level players. Just maybe all-stars in a different way than somebody like Shaden Sharp or Jaden Ivey is. And, you know, one of the things I want a little maybe push back, and Aaron, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, because so much talk about Keegan Murray versus Jaden Ivey, because I think that those are really the two prospects that Pistons Twitter have have latched onto the most in terms of who they think is most realistically going to be taken at five. Um, you know, there's all this talk about Keegan Murray not being super explosive, but then there's also this talk about him, you know, being a late bloomer, not being so good as a freshman, really coming onto his own as a sophomore. And, and the questions of whether that's, you know, more of just him getting more opportunity or if it's legit, but Jaden Ivey did the same thing. Jaden Ivey was not a star last year. Jaden Ivey was a really flawed player for Purdue last year. And 
I think that that's like a really weird kind of thing to be talking about in regards to both of those players, because for me, I don't see a difference in that. They both were players that have flaws and they're both players that took those flaws, worked on them and upped their production by a massive amount. So I don't know, man, for me, I'm wondering what you have to say about, about that kind of perception regarding both players, because Yes, I do really like Benedict Matherin as well. Like, I think Benedict Matherin, as a shooting guard, has an incredibly high floor. I think he has the highest floor and perhaps the highest ceiling of any shooting guard in this draft. Um, and I think that Keegan Murray potentially has the highest floor and highest ceiling of any small forward in this draft. So I don't think that even if you're taking the, a guy with a really high floor, that that doesn't mean you're also not taking a guy with a really high ceiling at the same time. Well, I think we're at a point now where, and everything changes really by the day. And as we get closer to the draft, it'll change by the hour in terms of where these guys are expected to go. As of now, and I think it will stay this way, the top three in some fashion is locked in between Jabari Smith Jr., Paolo Bencaro, and Chet Holmgren. Those three will be the top three in some sort of order. It's, it's been that way for a while now. I don't see it changing, but right now, Jaden Ivy is the guy that has risen up and is becoming the consensus number four. As of now, Sacramento still owns that pick. They're a team that's been mentioned in a lot of trade rumors lately. They're willing to move the pick. They prefer to move the pick. They'd like to get better now at a win now player. Currently, they don't really have a roster that screams, yeah, we need Jaden Ivey considering they have De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell at the one and two. But Jaden Ivey is at a point where it's almost like he's going to be unattainable for Detroit unless they moved up. Because I think even whether Sacramento takes him or they trade the pick, someone's going to jump up to take Jaden Ivey. At least that's what it's shaping up to look like as of now. So if that's the belief, you kind of have to, you know, reassess where you want the Pistons to go at five if you were thinking Jaden Ivey was going to be the guy for them. I'm still going to write – I'm still going to have a scouting report coming out on Jaden Ivey. I'm, I've been working on it, taking a little break from it, but it's going to come out on palaceofpistons.com pretty soon. Uh, I, I still think if the Pistons were – if he was on the board at five or the Pistons, for whatever reason, jumped up to four, Jaden Ivey would be the guy to take. Uh, but if the Pistons are picking at five, Let's say they have five, they have seven. Jaden Ivey was picked four. That's where it becomes interesting because I think personally, I would pick Benedict Matherin next. I would pick him mm. at five. But if you pick Benedict Matherin at five, is Keegan Murray going to survive past six to get to seven? Is no. there a better chance of you might be like Matherin more, but you could take Murray at five and Indiana – who has guards right now in Tyrese Halliburton and Malcolm Brogdon, not that they wouldn't move on from Malcolm Brogdon. Do they maybe look somewhere else, maybe get a little bit riskier with their pick because they don't want to bring in another guard thinking they just got their guard in Tyrese Halliburton. Do they pass on Matherin to the point where you can get Murray at five and Matherin at seven? I think that's as of now, probably the most hopeful 
Detroit can get if they were to add seven, because it, it does seem like Ivy's kind of really solidified himself as the consensus for across most, if not all mock drafts. I'm not seeing sharp mocked in the top five anymore. I'm not seeing, you know, I'm, I'm seeing Ivy at four pretty much across the board. I, I, you know, you said top three is locked in. I actually don't know if it is locked in top three. I could see Oklahoma city taking Jaden Ivy and moving on from SGA. Uh, a lot of stuff would have to happen in order for that to go down, but I absolutely could see Oklahoma city saying, screw it. You know, we're, we're not going anywhere right now, or maybe even they just say, you know, we'll t- pair the two of them up. Uh, but I actually don't think Ivy is necessarily even a lock for four. I think he could go, he, he could go two or three. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. I, I also am with you. I don't think Matherin is the pick at five. I think it's far more likely he's available at seven. And I think it's almost impossible that Keegan Murray would be available at seven. And I do think Murray is a better prospect. I mean, let's, can we push back on a little bit of the talk around him? Because the way I see him being discussed, and maybe I've been a little bit guilty of this as well, but having now looked at a lot more tape of Keegan Murray, I really think he is being underrated by this, by this fan base. He's a really good defender. And, And this dude is super efficient both inside the arc and outside the arc, there's really not anything he can't do other than, and this is of course the issue, create for others, dribbling really in the half court. That is obviously an issue for him. But other than that, and on a team with multiple ball handlers, I don't really see that being a big deal. And I think that is something that he could absolutely work on. You know, maybe in a couple of years, you're talking about him being, or maybe not a great ball handler, but having like that, Tobias Harris, North-South kind of dribble. Um, So for me, I want to push back on some of what I've been hearing about Keegan Murray. I think he is absolutely, absolutely worthy of a top five pick. And I think people that are acting like, you know, taking him there would be just kind of throwing in the towel and taking a boring, unsafe pick with a high floor but a low ceiling. I think they're completely wrong in that. Um, I liked Benedict. I like Benedict Matherin a lot. I'd love to have him on my team, but I'll take Keegan Murray over him. That's how I'm, that's where I'm at right now. I think that's fair. I, I look, I, I've said before that I don't think Keegan Murray is the highest ceiling type of prospect that I would take if I'm Detroit, if someone like Jaden Ivey was available. But that, that shouldn't take away from the production that he posted at Iowa. You're talking about 24, 9, and 40% from beyond the yard at 6, 8 the ability to six nine, the ability to play on both sides of the floor. He's a capable defender. He's a good rebounder offensively can score inside and out like immediately helps a team immediately helps a team. So I, I, there should be no scoffing at what Keegan Murray did at Iowa or what he can bring to the table at the end of the level. I think it's fair to say there are guys that have higher ceilings. I think it's fair to say he has a higher ceiling than maybe some people are giving him credit for. You don't average 24 and nine in the big 10 and and be an average player like no good basketball he's a very good basketball player there's a reason he's being mocked in the top five of this draft like it's a good draft in the top five after six or seven it gets a little bit more murky like if i'm detroit i don't really want to trade grant to end up with like the 13th or 16th pick if, if if charlotte comes in the fold like unless detroit really likes mark williams or for some reason, like I, I don't, I don't necessarily know 
who else is, is in that range that's really worth trading back for? Duren. Jalen Duren might be there. Maybe. 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 He probably goes in the lottery. I mean, maybe he's there at 13, but who knows? Maybe Sharp is there. Who 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 knows? I mean, he could who who I have no clue where Shaden Sharp is going in this draft. So he could either jump up or he could slide way down. I mean, he it, that's about he's in about as volatile of a situation as possible right now with his with his status. Oh, uh, no question. I mean, and that's going to happen to multiple guys. I, a name you brought up, Mark Williams. That's another guy that I am very intrigued by. Um, I could see him kind of Scotty Barnesing his way into the top 10 over the next couple weeks. Uh, 100%. Like, I think there's a lot of fascinating prospects. I, I'm not in love with the idea of trading Jeremy Grant for 13, 16, and Gordon Hayward. I hate that contract. Um, I, I mean, Hayward is still a, a useful player in many ways, but he defensively, if, if he was defense, he would, yeah, be. but even if he's healthy defensively, I just don't think he fits the philosophy of what this team is. And that's also another reason why I look at Keegan Murray and Benedict Matherin as if you are coming out of the draft with those two guys. And this is more of what I was saying. Like, here's a better example, not John Morant, Donovan Mitchell, a guy who's a little below there. If you give the the Bucks the opportunity, you say, "Hey, you can either draft Donovan Mitchell or Chris Middleton." They're going to take Chris Middleton every time over Donovan Mitchell. Now, just because Donovan Mitchell maybe has a slightly higher ceiling as the best player on a team, that doesn't mean he has the best fit plus ceiling. And I think that those things combined matter. Just because you're saying maybe Keegan Murray doesn't have as high of a ceiling as the best player on a team as Jaden Ivey doesn't mean that he doesn't still have an incredibly high ceiling as a player that can also fit in with other star players. And I think that that is really important to look at when you have a player like Kate Cunningham on your team. Same thing with Benedict Matherin. Benedict Matherin can't run a team. If you put Benedict Matherin out there and you ask him to create for others, you put him in a backcourt without another creator, he's going to struggle. But if you put him in the right situation, I think he can blossom into an absolute killer, a two-way dog. And that's another part of it I think that Pistons fans are kind of neglecting to talk about right now. Yes, obviously there is that highest true outcome ceiling, but you also have to look at a little bit below that. It's the ceiling and the fit. And I think when you look at Keegan Murray, that is a guy with a really, really high ceiling as a scorer, a really high ceiling as a shooter, a really high ceiling as a defender, maybe not so much as a creator, but if you have somebody like Cade Cunningham, if you have another star guard next to him, you don't need him to be a good creator. You don't need him to lead the team. You need him to be the best third option in the NBA. And he's maybe that guy. So for me, when I look at it, those are the type of, of things that you need to take into account at the same time as just looking at these players in a vacuum. See, that's probably my biggest concern if the Pistons ended up with that five and seven package of Murray and Matherin is the lack of creation that would, in theory, be in that starting group. Uh, unless Detroit plans, you know, to bring Matherin off the bench and Killian Hayes to start again, uh, be given the opportunity to start again, uh, at least at the beginning of the season and see how he performs. But in theory, you draft Matherin, you draft Murray, you slot them in at the two and the four, 
that is my biggest concern is there there will be a a true lack of creation but but Aaron people act like that's not an issue with Jaden Ivy and like it is Jaden Ivy was not some big assist guy he averaged 3.1 assists last year that's half an assist more per game than Benedict Matherin did. So I think that the way that people are talking about those two guys in respect to their creation skills, obviously Ivy is a better ball handler. Obviously he is a better creator. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that they're equivalent, but I think that people are maybe underrating Benedict Matherin's creation skills a little bit. And I think they're maybe overrating Jaden Ivy's creation skills a little bit as well. Obviously when you get in transition, that's where Ivy can really shine. But like, I don't know, man, this is where these conversations get a little too hyperbolic for my liking. You know what I mean? Where it's like Keegan Murray, somebody says, yeah, he's not a jump out of the rim athlete. And now the conversation around him is like, oh, he's, you know, you you can't slide a piece of paper underneath him on his jumper. You know what I mean? Like for me, it gets a little overblown. I think there's, I think there's a legitimate gap, though, in terms of of those two guys. In terms of, no, I agree. In distributing, like I, I, and I haven't watched as much film on Matherin as I have Ivy, but like I, Ivy can run the pick and roll. He can self create. Like he moves the ball in the offense. Not that Matherin can't do some of those things, but I think there's a legitimate gap uh, in terms of their playmaking, their creation abilities. But it, just looking at that that five man group, like Kate Cunningham needed another creator alongside him last year. And I think that's why once the three main guys in terms of Cunningham Bay and Grant were all on the floor, once they got a chance to mesh and Grant got to do some of his own creating, like that's when we saw the best form of the Pistons because every play, every offensive possession wasn't in the hands of, of Cade Cunningham. There was another guy that could take the ball and, and do something with it. Most of the time it was, him doing it himself for himself. But I, I think there is a legitimate need for more creation uh, alongside Kid Cunningham. And obviously the expectation he's, is he's going to take a step, uh, you know, going into a second season. He'll have that, that season under his belt. There's that obvious growth of a young player where they take strides in different areas of their game. And if you pair a, a true number, a true two guard, instead of putting a pseudo one guard on the court, a court alongside Cunningham, with a guy like Killian Hayes or Corey Joseph of last season, like, and you take away Jeremy Grant and, and place in another guy like Murray, who's a really good spot up guy, but isn't a creator. I think there is going to be a legitimate reason for concern, but again, that is, and I, but I do agree with your, your point of it's all hyperbolic at that point. Like these guys would impact the team in different ways. Like Ivy would bring a true, ability to their transition game like there's something that Detroit was not good at last year he would be great for their transition offense he would be great for that he would give them athleticism but a guy like Murray and Matherin they're great spot up shooters their Matherin has great athletic instincts Murray's capable on both sides of the floor so all these guys have attributes have skill sets that would benefit Detroit in a specific way and Pointing out one guys, but not pointing out the others is essentially splitting hairs at that point, because all these guys can help Detroit. It's just a matter, I guess, in a way of determining which areas Detroit needs the most help in and which of these guys addresses the highest number of points at the highest quality level. Um, 
I, I do think though they're they're just the main point to bring up was that there would be some concern on my end in terms of the lack of creation uh, if Detroit took out Grant from that lineup and brought in Matherin and Murray. But if you have enough guys that can shoot the ball from outside and you have guys that, you know, who says that Bay doesn't take another step as a distributor? As yeah. a, We saw that yes. in the second half of last season when he said, look, I'm not shooting the ball well, but I'm going to get inside and – you know what that did? It opened up his entire game. He started averaging more assists. He started shooting the ball better from outside. He was getting looks inside. Like the talk about Cunningham getting better. Maybe that will happen internally anyways, and it won't be as big of a deal. Yeah, I, you, you brought up Sadiq Bay. That's exactly the point I was going to make. Yes, I, I do think that what you're saying, those are legitimate concerns. Absolutely. Like there should, there will be concerns about creation and Ivy, like I said, is absolutely a better creator than Benedict Matherin. Don't get me wrong here at all. Um, I do think, though, like, yeah, like you said, if a couple other guys can step up, you don't need there to be another necessarily elite ball handler, an elite passer. If you can get two other guys that pass the ball just well and you put them next to Cade Cunningham enough so that you can at least – take the ball out of his hands every now and then. I think that's really what you need because really, yes, it is good to put Kate off ball, but you still do want him on ball at least 55, 60% of the time. Right? So I, it's not necessarily for me about necessarily finding another true lead guard. It's about finding enough guys that can create at a high enough level for enough plays per game to where you can offset not having the ball in Cade's hands. Um, is Matherin that guy? Eh, mm, uh, maybe not. Is Keegan Murray that guy? Eh, eh, maybe not. And but, but we have seen it in the past, and this is a guy I brought up before, Tobias Harris. You remember when, when you know, Reggie Jackson went down, they put the ball in Tobias Harris's hands and they tried to have him create. It was a disaster. And... That is definitely, I think, something that could happen if you have like a Keegan Murray. But the thing is, when Reggie Jackson was in the lineup and they put the ball in Tobias Harris's hands every now and then, it worked. It's a it's a matter of like putting them in the right position to where there's no diminishing returns. And I think if you do have multiple young guys who are improving, when you do have a Cade Cunningham, when you do have a Sadiq Bay, and then you got a Murray and a Matherin in the fold. I think you can spread around those duties enough to where it's maybe not so much of a downside. Think something similar to like this year's uh, Memphis team when they didn't have John Morant on the floor. They didn't necessarily have some great ball handlers out there. They didn't. Tyus Jones is nobody's idea of an elite point guard, but they made it work because they had enough guys that could do the job at a high enough level to get by. And remember, we have had this entire discussion really in a bubble that hasn't included uh, the major second part of this offseason for Detroit, free agency, and the trade market. Mm-hmm. As the Pistons have a ton of cap space to work with, they've been linked to primarily restricted free agents, but guys that whether you think they're you know legitimate good players or not, but that upper tier of, of restricted free agents in – DeAndre Ayton, Colin Sexton, Jalen Brunson, Mitchell Robinson. So 
there is more to this offseason than just what happens on June 23rd. Wait a second, Aaron. Wait, real quick. I, you know, the Pistons could use some front court help, you know, and we're talking about how if they take these two guys, they might lack a little bit creation. So they should probably get like a, like a center that can pass a little bit. Right. But you need them to rebound too. That's also going to be really important. And, you know, they need a little more size. Isaiah Stewart's not quite big enough. So you know, let's get a, like a bigger player, good athleticism can finish likes to pass. It'd be nice if he like knew the city too. Right. Like already, if he had like a lot of love for Detroit, who's a, who's a free agent that they could bring in who fits those criteria. You know, oh, right. Andre. Nope. Kareem Abdul Drummond. That's who I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, Aaron, they could bring him in. Fixes a lot of things. High post. <laughs> it would be poetic if Andre Drummond came back to the Pistons. It'd be something. It'd be something, all right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I couldn't help but, but derail. <laughs> You're talking about free agent big men. Honestly, no, really, I'm joking, but honestly – Talking about guys like Mitchell Robinson, a little bit lower level free agents. I do think Drummond should be in that discussion. I, I genuinely do. He would actually, in a vacuum, fit a lot of the things that they need from, from a backup center. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just imagine Drummond on the court with that roster last year. What he would have uh, been able to do on, on the offensive side of the floor, running the pick and roll with Kate Cunningham. Like, oh my God, he would have leaps and bounds help that that team I mean we saw it with Marvin Bagley there's no there's no doubt in my mind Andre Drummond could have had that same sort of impact as well um actually I thought you were talking about DeAndre Ayton when you initially started it and and then once you started talking about the familiarity with with the city I was like oh yeah Andre Drummond but uh, we've had a lot of different names linked to the Pistons over these last few weeks We've gotten more reports that the Pistons are legitimately interested in DeAndre. And they're legitimately interested uh, in Colin Sexton, and they're expected to uh, look at guys like Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson. One thing of note, and we've talked about Jalen Brunson before on this podcast, specifically, I think it was another show, whereas just Jasper and I, uh, we talked about why maybe we weren't super high on the idea uh, of bringing in Jalen Brunson to this team. Jalen Brunson's father was just hired by the New York Knicks to serve uh, on Tom Thibodeau's uh, coaching staff as an assistant coach. He does have history uh, in the NBA as an assistant coach. He was with Tom Thibodeau uh, in Minnesota. Um, so that might be something of note because the Knicks were a team that uh, was reportedly planning to target Jalen Brunson uh, in free agency. So that might be a guy that you're going to be scratching off uh, of the target list for Detroit relatively soon. Aaron, if they – if the Knicks signed Jalen Brunson because they hired his dad, I'm buying a JD in the straight shot CD and a poster, a James Dolan poster, just hanging it on my wall. I love him for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it does look like they're out on him. Another guy that they've been linked to Colin Sexton. Um, it does seem like there is talk around him where you talked about, you know, Hey, where do they find that creation? Maybe they bring in a guy like, like Colin Sexton to make up for that, uh, that may be a little bit of passing deficiency that they have. And maybe you're talking about Benedict Matherin coming off the bench. He is still a pretty raw guy. Um, you can, you can make a lot of different things work there. So I think that there's definitely going to be moves in free agency. There's just too much smoke for there not to be fire. Right? No, no doubt about it. I mean, when you have the cap space that Detroit has and 
again, I want to make this a point too. It doesn't necessarily just have to come via the free agent market. Like this cap space will almost certainly be used in the trade market as well. Mm -hmm. We've seen Detroit do that in years past. Like they're not a team that's afraid to go out and make a move uh, via trade either. So as much discussion as we've had about the draft, there's so much more discussion that's going to, to need to be had after the draft about what else is going to come this offseason for Detroit and a roster that right now is shaping up to go under drastic changes this summer. Troy Weaver seemingly has a lot in plan with one pick as of now. It's it's pretty much expected that they're going to have another one uh, with the, you know, by draft night and then a whole lot of cap space to work with as well. And, it's just there's a lot going on with with the Pistons right now this could be a drastically different team come August once these contracts with free agents have been signed we could be looking at essentially an entirely different roster yeah Um, yeah Aaron sorry go ahead I was just gonna say you know we've talked about all these different scenarios but the fact of the matter is there's a good chance that what ends up shaking out is none of these things because you're totally right. They can use that cap space and they can use some of their assets to get involved in other teams' trades. So do not be surprised. Even if DeAndre Ayton doesn't come to Detroit, don't be surprised if the Pistons are involved in that sign-and-trade to help facilitate with another team because they can take on contracts. Uh, they have things to offer other teams. And, you know, if, if a team like Portland is desperate to get themselves a big like DeAndre Ayton, even if you're not necessarily, even if you're not necessarily like getting the seventh pick, even if you're not necessarily getting an all-star free agent, you can involve yourself in these discussions in a way that can put you into, you know, a totally different situation by next year for relatively low risk. For sure. Yeah. This is a, this is a, a team that has a lot of different avenues they can explore. They can be a connector in the DeAndre Ayton trade, as, as you mentioned, or they could be the team to land DeAndre Ayton. But Jasper, I think we've had a lot of good discussion. We always go into these 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 podcasts and we're like, yeah, let's shoot for like 30, 30 minutes. <laughs> and then we end up doing like 45. Uh, that's, yeah. that's entirely okay because years ago, uh, back when the podcast was in its most infant form, I mean, we used to do like two hour shows. We were, we were clinically insane at, at that point. We were, we were talking about Andre Drummond being a franchise center. That is, that is a podcast that I will never forget. I was on it. Uh, my brother, Brendan Johnson, who used to host his podcast was on it with me. He was, but this was before he was even hosting it. He was a guest on, on the show. Uh, we had, I think one or two other people on it and, and we spent probably an hour and a half talking about is Andre Drummond a franchise center in the NBA is he a franchise oh man this podcast has grown so much it is gone in so many different directions so glad to have you with me uh for this week's show Jasper so glad to have you on the show as always everyone seems to love Jasper on the podcast whenever I I, I hear someone talk to me about the pod, podcast I was like this Jasper guy we really like him he brings a lot of energy he's kind of funny <laughs> I that's probably the nicest thing I think anyone's ever said about me brings a lot of energy kind of funny <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> my performance in the podcast every week at this point because I know they're not listening for me and and Mike I love you but they're not listening for you either they're here for Jasper oh that's a lie that's a damn dirty lie and trust me I've seen our YouTube comments they're here for you too Aaron 
Mike, I don't know. You might be the odd man out. I'm sorry to say. I don't. I don't think anyone's here for a Cavs fan. All right. That's what you get once you change your loyalty. Maybe they'll they'll tune in for you too. I don't know. Seriously, Mike, what are you doing? But okay, guys, we could go on for for another hour talking about these different topics. We got to have a show for you next week, though. So I think that's where we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we got so much <laughs> in store coming up over these next few weeks. But Jasper, great show. Uh, I enjoyed. It. Anything else to add before we wrap this up? I uh, can't wait for next week when we have our Will Andre Drummond be the Pistons uh, new franchise center discussion again for two hours. Should Andre Drummond start over Isaiah Stewart? Preview for next week's show, folks. Thank you so <laughs> much for tuning in. We appreciate your support as always. You guys have been killing it in the, the support of the show. Uh, so definitely continue that. We really, really appreciate you listening. If you're on YouTube, liking, subscribing, commenting, all that kind of stuff. We certainly, certainly appreciate it. Even uh, the negative comments. We, yeah, we appreciate those too. I live off those. I love seeing people hate on me for my basketball takes. It's, it's really consoling at this point. Uh, thank <laughs> you, uh, Believe. Thank you to Bet Online, our, our wonderful sponsor. We thank you all for tuning in. We'll, we'll see you next time on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.